Hello, and welcome to the Dance Physio Podcast, a podcast designed to explore ideas and foster discussion around dancer health and wellness. We're here to challenge the status quo, bridge the gap between dance science and the studio, and help change the landscape of the dance industry for the better. I'm your host, Erica Mayall, a dancer turned physiotherapist who is deeply passionate about leaving the dance world better than I found it. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Dance Physio podcast. Uh, my name is Erica Mail, also known as Dance Physio Erica, if you follow me on social media, and I'm so excited you're here. I want to take this first episode today to introduce myself a little bit and um, kind of tell you a little bit of my story and my journey into becoming a physiotherapist and specifically a dance physiotherapist. It's a question I get asked often, especially from um, younger clients who are thinking about kind of schooling and career paths and stuff like that. And so I thought I would take this first episode to kind of tell you about my journey to where I am now and so you can get to know me a little bit better. It's probably no surprise to anybody who knows me well, and especially who's known me since I was younger, that I've decided to start a podcast. I definitely like to chat. I'm known for um, maybe speaking faster than I probably should, so I will do my best throughout this podcast to speak at a reasonable pace so everybody can follow along. But if you're struggling with that at all, just know that on your podcast player, you can speed up and slow down the playback options for podcasts. So I often listen to podcasts sped up a little bit just to get through them a little bit quicker. It's my little um, trick while I'm listening to podcasts commuting. Um, So if you're finding that you're having a little bit of a challenge keeping up with me, feel free to use that. So I've been wanting to start a podcast for quite a while, and it's just one of those things that's sort of always been on the back burner, and finally I just decided it was time. It was time to take a dive in, try something new. I'm learning as I go. I am by no means an expert in podcasting, but I'm always keen to learn new things, and I think it's a really neat medium to share information and start dialogues and really try and create some discussion around topics around dancer health and wellness. So I'm excited to see where this podcast is going to take us. So just in terms of my background or a little bit about my own journey, um, I think I can't get into how I became a dance physio without also talking a little bit about my dance background or my dance journey, because that's really where it all started. I started dancing when I was, you know, two and a half or whatever it was. My older sister was a dancer, so was going to her dance classes and kind of participating in the corner until one day the teacher finally sort of said, well, why doesn't she just join in? She's doing everything anyway. So I kind of got thrown in when I was little and really just fell in love with it. And I've never looked back since then for the most part. So uh, yeah, started like most kids do with sort of little kid creative movement or baby ballet or whatever it was. And over the years just kind of increased in adding a class here and a class there and a new genre here. So I was dancing um, fairly full-time hours. I danced at a studio 
primarily. So I started at that studio when I was six, I believe it was the first year that the studio opened. Um, And it was a studio that was very syllabus based. So this isn't as common anymore as it used to be. But it was an ISTD studio. So anybody who's familiar with ISTD, um, we followed their syllabus curriculum, and we followed it for all genres or most genres. So for ballet, but also for modern and for tap and for jazz. So it was very, very syllabus based. And we did exams in all those genres pretty much every single year. So we were really working towards exams in sort of the spring was like the focus of the dance year. And then we also obviously had kind of year-end shows and recitals and that sort of thing. But we were not a competition-based studio. We did start to compete more. When I was a teenager, competition started to become a little bit of a bigger thing. I did participate in festivals as well, some of which still exist, like Surrey Festival still going strong. And that was one of the ones that we always participated in annually. So there was a little bit of that, but it was not the same competition focus that we see nowadays within the dance world. It was much more sort of a training focused environment and really this progression of working towards exams and this sort of syllabus work. That really suited me quite well. I know a lot of dancers like the syllabus stuff and doing sort of ballet exams and things like that are not always their favorite, especially with this younger generation who's used to more um, competitive based environments and where classes are maybe structured more with like a different technique class every week and more combos that change weekly and things like that. But I actually really liked the structure and the routine of the syllabus work and my personality. I just I really thrive in like structure and routine. And I think that even at a young age, I recognize that that's what I really like sort of an environment that I thrived in. And so I really liked that sort of setup. We had performing companies and things like that as well. And we did unset classes. So it wasn't all based on that. But that was certainly the basis of our training was working towards that. I'm really grateful that that was my background because I think there was such a focus on technique fundamentals coming from a more syllabus-based background that, and, and it was in large part, I'm sure, due to the teachers who were teaching it as well. My teachers were very, very technique focused. And so we really, I feel, had like a very in-depth education in terms of like technique and technique progressions and the rationale behind like how the syllabus was developed and things like that, which again, for like my learning style and my personality was like a really great fit for me. So I danced all the way through um, high school and, again, like sort of increasing hours. I think by the time I graduated from high school or like in my last few years, I was definitely dancing like more than 20 hours a week. And in that time, I'd also started teaching a little bit as well. So in my last few years of high school and last few years of um, dancing like in a studio setting, I was kind of transitioning a little bit into teaching. Again, I'd always like really loved like the technique part and like looking at movement patterns and analyzing the movements and analyzing the technique and like giving corrections and things like that. So I was teaching and really thought that that was sort of like the career path I was going to go down. I never had a lot of aspirations or really any aspirations of becoming a professional dancer. Like dance was a huge, huge part of like me and my identity, but not necessarily the performing part of it. I liked performing, but sort of doing that day in and day out didn't thrill me like it did some people like a lot of dancers like that's truly like the part of dance that they're the most passionate about but for me it was really like 
the day-to-day training, the process, the like technical foundations and things like that. And really like the movement patterns and movement itself was the part of dance that, and it and still is the part of dance that interests me the most. So I thought I was going to go into teaching and at that point started teaching and started doing some of my teacher training courses through ISTD because that's the syllabus that I had grown up doing. So started kind of like delving into some of those teacher training courses around the same time. So when I was a teenager, I can't remember exactly how old, but maybe like 15, 14, 15, somewhere in there, it was probably when I first started experiencing my first kind of dance-related injuries. And I was fairly fortunate to not have any really, really significant injuries, although I did break a toe one time, which was inconveniently timed right before one of my ballet exams. So I ended up having to miss that or postpone doing that exam. But for the most part, injuries that I had were more sort of your common, just kind of like overuse type injuries. And so That was my first exposure. My first real exposure to rehabilitation or to physiotherapy was going for physiotherapy for these dance-related injuries when I was, I think, like 14, 15. And I just went to our local um, kind of sports physiotherapy clinic that was in the neighborhood I grew up in. They treated a lot of the high school athletes that like went to my school, so lots of friends. There'd always be like a crew of us there, the before school appointment times, kind of first thing in the morning, there'd be the basketball players and the hockey players and the soccer players. And then there'd be me in the corner doing my foot rehab or whatever it was for whatever various injury I had. And again, I didn't have a lot of injuries. I was fairly lucky. And I do think that that was also part of like our really structured technical training that like we were not doing things that were like potentially like inherently unsafe and things like that. But just the volume that I was dancing at, I definitely had some overuse injuries. So that was my first real exposure to physiotherapy. And although I had a great experience in that, I loved like the clinic setting and the clinicians I got to work with were like great physios, fabulous clinicians. They also really truly did not understand dance and so you know I would be in this kind of like gym setting doing sort of rehab stuff with like I said kind of athletes like basketball players and stuff and for the most part they kind of just had me doing the same thing that a lot of the other athletes were doing and I every once in a while would be like well what about when I have to do this or how can we you know sort of do this or whatever and things that were more dance specific and they never had great answers for those necessarily and not because they weren't great clinicians but just because they didn't really understand the demands of dance and especially with um, doing point work I had a few kind of foot things I would say that was were probably like the injuries that I spent the most time in physio was like kind of like foot overuse type stuff and they just truly did not understand and even you know me bringing my point shoes in and showing them what I was sort of doing they tried really hard to figure things out, but they just didn't understand like the demands of point work or the biomechanics of it and things like that. So like I said, that was my first sort of exposure to physiotherapy and really sparked my interest in terms of like the medical side of things or like really the rehabilitation side of things. I come from a bit of a medical family. My mom is a doctor. And so I grew up like sort of surrounded by medical people, surrounded by like her colleagues who were her doctor friends and things like that. So I was exposed to like medical things quite a lot when I was young. Um, And I had considered sports medicine as well as something that like I was interested in. I was always, I have always loved sports and watching sports and working with athletes was appealing to me and that sort of thing as well. Um, 
So sports medicine was sort of on my radar, but I didn't really know about physiotherapy or rehabilitation until uh, sustaining my own injuries and going through that rehab process. So again, that was kind of like all in my later high school years. And so I had to start to think about, okay, what am I actually going to do when I graduate from high school? So there was that idea of going into teaching dance and to sort of like going down that career path of becoming a dance teacher. But I also really liked the idea of going to university and getting a degree of some sort. I was fairly academic growing up. I really liked school. I liked the whole school process. And so I um, didn't necessarily want to like give up the opportunity to go to university. So I started exploring different university programs and eventually settled on doing a a kinesiology program that seemed like a good fit where it was sort of studying like the biomechanics and human movement. And I found a program where I could actually incorporate dance into that kinesiology program as well. So the program that I did had a requirement that you had to participate in four sports per year as part of the kinesiology degree. So things like basketball, volleyball, swimming, track and field, whatever it was. And um, there was an option of actually doing those sports credits as dance credits instead. So although the degree was still kinesiology, all of my sports, like my four sports year, could all be done as dance classes or dance credits. So that seemed like a really good fit and a way to continue dancing, but also really dive into the more kind of like biomechanical aspects of things and really looking at kind of human movement. I was still interested in rehabilitation and things like that, but this seemed like a really good jumping off point or a good introduction to see if that truly was what I was really interested in pursuing and continuing to go down that path. And so the university I was at had a program where we had the option or the opportunity to be assigned to a varsity athletic team and become like the trainer for the team for the seasons. And so I participated in that program. Um, like I said, I've always been interested in sports as well and I've always really liked sports and ended up working with rugby. I came from a very rugby focused high school and a lot of my friends played rugby. I played rugby for a little bit. We did a lot of rugby in gym class. And so um, when I had the opportunity to participate in this athletic injuries program, I was really keen to actually work with women's rugby specifically. So I spent a couple of seasons working as like a sideline trainer with the women's rugby team and really seeing like how um, the teams are supported in like a high performance athletic setting. And so these varsity teams and the university I was at, the rugby team were the like national champions. And so they were quite a high level team. And to see how they were supported sort of from an interdisciplinary setup of having sideline trainers at every single game and access to sort of the top sports med physicians and um, like sport physiotherapists and like rehab facilities and all of that was really, really neat for me because coming from the dance world, nothing like that existed, even within professional company settings at the time, there really wasn't a lot of um, truly good or high-level integrated healthcare programs for those companies. That's becoming much more commonplace now where we see on-site medical programs for the top companies, which is amazing. But back in the day, that just like didn't exist in the dance world and it did exist within like the sports world to some degree 
like certainly at professional levels, but it was coming into like university levels and even like lower levels than that. But I'd never really been exposed to that before. So that was really neat and really influenced sort of a lot of um, sort of my vision going forward in terms of like what could healthcare look like in dance settings if we take what we know from like a more athletic setting or like take some ideas from those. So I'll talk a little bit more about that later and just kind of the influence of like sports and stuff on my career. But that was sort of my undergrad career. And during that time, I definitely think I realized that like, yes, rehabilitation and like that side of things and physiotherapy specifically was what I truly was interested in. And at that point, there was always a thought in the back of my head of like, yes, like maybe this will be like a dance specific career and I'll kind of blend the two. But I also think I would have been just as well, maybe not just as fulfilled, but I also would have been happy or fulfilled working in a more traditional physiotherapy career, working with more general population or working with more like sports kind of physio populations and that sort of thing. So it wasn't necessarily going to be dance physiotherapy specifically, but I was interested in physio. So after finishing my undergrad, I went um, into my master's program. So I went to physio school in Canada, physiotherapy as a master's program. So went to physio school straight away after my undergrad. I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I went right into it and sort of dove into that program. And it's a pretty intense program. So during that time, I was doing a little bit of sideline work, like still with rugby um, and some sort of like things on the side, but I wasn't super involved in the dance industry at that point. I was still taking classes like for myself and that sort of thing. But apart from that, I wasn't super involved. I would sub classes, like I was still teaching a little bit on the side and would sub classes here or there. But I wasn't really, really intimately connected with the dance community during my physiotherapy schooling just because I didn't have a lot of extra time for it, but always knew that the dance stuff was sort of in the background. And as part of the physiotherapy program, you are required to do a certain number of practicum. So rather than us doing a residency separately at the end of the program, which is what a lot of medical school programs do, our practical exposure is interspersed in kind of like six-week blocks throughout the program. And we have the option of doing one elective, um, sort of we call them placements basically, but practical um, practicums. We have the option of doing an elective one, and that could be in anything you wanted it to be. And so I started kind of researching a little bit and was like, I wonder if I could do something like dance specific. And so started looking into it, and I did my master's at UBC. So I was in Vancouver, and there was nothing locally available in Vancouver. There wasn't really anything else available within Canada either. And it's actually quite difficult to get like placements in other provinces for a variety of reasons that I won't get into. But I had the option of doing an international placement if I wanted to. So I started to look into dance physio options internationally and ended up finding a clinic in Australia who was willing to take students on and ended up doing one of my clinical placements at a clinic that's called uh, DMA now, but it stands for Dance Medicine Australia, and did it with a physio named Craig Phillips, who is or was a 
is a retired dancer with the Australian Ballet turned physiotherapist and owns a clinic where he treats a lot of dancers and musicians and other sort of artistic athletes. So that was really neat to be able to go and learn from him directly and spend a chunk of time in Australia where dance physio specifically was much more well-developed at the time than it was in, I would say, North America, but definitely more developed than it was in Canada at the time. So I got to go and learn from him. And it also just happened to correspond to the timing of when the IADAMS, which is the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science, their annual conference was in Australia that year for the first time. So I finished my practicum at DMA and then actually stayed in Australia for a couple of months to travel afterwards, just because I am a huge um, lover of travel and so wanted to explore the country and was able to time it. So I ended up in Canberra in time for that conference. So that conference in... I'm going to say 2007, was my first IADAMS conference. And that was my first introduction to, like, the broader dance medicine and science community of, like, people coming from all over the world. And it was an incredible conference. It was held at the Australian Institute of Sport. So the venue, like, the facilities were fabulous. And it was the first time that it had been held somewhere other than, like, Europe or North America. So there was a lot of Asian representation and people from all over Australia. It was just, like, a really, really fabulous conference and just sort of blew my mind that there were that many other people in the world who were interested in the same thing that I was interested because in my little bubble in Canada and in Vancouver specifically no one else was doing any of this work and so it really didn't seem like a super viable option until I was exposed to that community. So from there, I became fairly involved in IADAMS and also around the same time became involved with Healthy Dancer Canada, which is a nonprofit within Canada that um, promotes dancer health and wellness. And so really started to connect internationally and nationally with other like-minded people, which sort of ignited the spark a little bit more of being like, yeah, this is important work and this is work that is being done and is successfully being done in other parts of the world. Maybe we can get something going in the Vancouver area and really start to support dancers in that area. So I eventually came home from Australia, um, got my physio license, started working, was working in a couple of different places. I was working in just a private uh, practice, practice that was based. We did some insurance work and just general population and was also working in pediatrics at the same time at a child development center, which was really neat to be able to get that input of um, really kind of honing my skills in child development and gross motor milestones and all of that sort of stuff that's really important when we're looking at childhood development and working with younger dancers. So I spent quite a few years sort of working in those um, kind of multiple settings at the same time and really liked the variety and how they kind of complemented each other. And around the same time, when I had come back to Vancouver after being at that IADAMS conference, one of my old dance teachers, who is now running a new dance studio, so not at the studio I grew up dancing at, but she had opened a new dance studio, and she was really interested in sort of dancer health and wellness and how can we kind of promote this within a studio setting, and so started to collaborate a little bit of, with her. And at first, it was kind of like, well, can we start to work on 
like a dancer screening program? Can we start to screen our dancers who are in the full-time program or the pre-professional training program and see what we find out about them? And so we started collaborating on some research projects with some of her dancers and also just doing screening programs and things like that to support her dancers in her programs. I had input in designing some of their like strength and conditioning programs. Um, She was really adamant that that be like a big component of their training program at the time, which we're talking like 15 years ago now, mostly. This was pretty innovative. Like this wasn't happening at the majority of community-based dance studios. Like they weren't necessarily incorporating dancer health and wellness or incorporating strength and conditioning and things like that. So that was really neat for me to be able to be a part of setting that up. And over time, that just kind of slowly started to grow and slowly started to evolve into a little bit of kind of like a side hustle or a part-time practice. So eventually, I was able to set up shop like in their studio. They had a little – it was – legitimately like a closet like I'm not actually exaggerating it was like a broom closet or something that they like cleared out and just had enough room for like a portable treatment table that I think I could walk around three sides of but like not the fourth side it was not the ideal setup but it was something and it was like on site at a dance studio which again was like super like not super common at the time So started um, doing a little bit more kind of treatment as like dancers if they had injuries or like more preventative type stuff. So started seeing dancers more one-on-one in that setting as well. And then just through word of mouth, things started to kind of expand a little bit where dancers from other studios or teachers from other studios would sort of be like, well, I have this dancer and they've been seeing a physio, but they haven't really been making progress. Like, would you take a look at them? And so started seeing dancers from other dance studios or from outside studios who would come in and see me. And so eventually I got to move into a bigger closet. Um, Well, at this point, the dance studio actually sort of moved locations and I was in a different area and had sort of more of like a proper treatment room at this point. So I was able to establish like essentially a clinic out of this dance studio, but as like a standalone business where I was seeing dancers from other studios and things like that. And really that sort of clinic that started in a broom closet or whatever it was at the time has evolved into what my clinical practice is now. So now I own a proper clinic, like a brick and mortar clinic that's called Allegro Performance and Wellness. And we cater specifically to dancers and other artistic athletes. We have um, a couple other practitioners that work out of the space as well, Pilates instructor, physiotherapist, massage therapist, that type of thing. And so now we're sort of our own standalone clinic. But it really started as just like offering services or seeing a, a need to be filled in this one specific studio kind of setup back in the day about, yeah, sort of 15 years or so ago. So that was kind of um the transition into like kind of eventually making this my full-time clinical practice. So over the the years, as I started to do more stuff in the dance world, I started to pull back on some more of the stuff in the private practice world um, and in the pediatric world. And so now my full-time clinical work is with Allegro Performance and with dancers and artistic athletes. But more recently, over the past few years, I've started to get into more of like the education space and especially the online education space, but in-person education as well. So as I was starting to see more and more dancers come to me from various dance studios, I started to notice 
patterns that were often evident where certain dancers from certain studios might present with really similar injuries. So we might see a lot of like foot and ankle injuries coming from one studio and I might see a lot of hip injuries coming from another studio or things like that. And I've been really, really fortunate throughout my career that I've had a really great relationship with dance teachers within my local area, and most of them have been like quite receptive to sort of conversations and feedback and really like working together to enhance like the health and wellness of their dancers. So I started reaching out to some of these teachers and sort of exploring the topics of like, okay, well, why do we think that this cohort of dancers specifically all seem to be having a lot of hip issues this year and that's never been an issue before? Like, what is it that's different about their training? Or what is it that's different about this particular cohort of dancers or things like that? And trying to find answers where it was like, okay, is it like a teaching methodology thing? Is it like the flooring at the studio? Is that why we're seeing foot and ankle injuries? Things like that. And so from that, I sort of realized that rather than treating the same foot and ankle injury over and over and over and over and over again in the clinic, potentially if I can work directly with the teachers, we can have a much, much bigger impact in terms of all dancers being able to access this sort of like knowledge and health and wellness. And so Yes, some dancers will come to see me in the clinic if they get injured, but we also know a certain percentage of dancers who are injured don't actually access healthcare services for a variety of reasons. It can be financial, it can be all sorts of different reasons, but we know that they're not all coming to us. So if we can start to actually reach these dancers at more of a grassroots level, like where they are spending their time there in the studio for 10, 15, 20 hours a week, they're interacting with their teachers on a probably almost daily basis. I felt like I could have a much bigger impact on the health and wellness of dancers as a whole, like as a community, by really working more closely with teachers themselves. So over time, the education services that I've offered have sort of morphed into, rather than doing workshops, sort of directed directly at dancers because I used to offer workshops for dancers specifically on like injury prevention and things like that. Now most of the education stuff that I offer is specifically for dance teachers. So dance teachers can enhance their knowledge with regards to dancer health and wellness and dance science and dance medicine topics and then they can take that back into the studio to kind of influence the next generation of dancers. I do still um, offer workshops for dancers for studios who particularly are interested in like bringing me in and working directly with their dancers, but it's not something that I sort of host on my own anymore or offer at like a community-based level. So mostly what I'm doing now is sort of direct to teachers in the hopes, like I said, of really being able to influence more dancers on a much larger scale. So that kind of brings us around to like really like, like, a little bit of like my values in terms of like why is it that I'm doing what it what I am doing and why am I sort of in this dancer health and wellness space and really I mean I think what it comes down to is my like main mission and one of my main values is really trying to leave the dance world better than I found it. We all know that there's a lot of like issues within the dance world and especially when it comes to dancer health and wellness and this has really come to the forefront in recent years in some positive ways and some maybe not so positive ways where there's not necessarily always been like the healthiest culture within the dance world but that narrative is slowly starting to change and if we can provide support to dance teachers and support to dancers directly and really empower the next generation of dancers to take ownership of their health and wellness and provide them 
them with like the tools and the resources to still get to enjoy this like beautiful art form that everybody loves so much but in a way that doesn't destroy your body so by the time you're 30 or 35 you're forced to retire and dealing with aches and pains for the rest of your life that's really what it's all about like we want dancers to be able to dance for a lifetime and I still take classes right now I'm doing at least two classes a week I still take class really regularly and my goal is to be able to do that well into my 50s 60s 70s one of the classes I take um one of the ballet classes I take has a woman in it who's in her 80s and it's incredible to see her a keep up with everybody else because it's not an easy class necessarily it's not like a beginner adult class but also just like how much it benefits her both physically and also mentally like it's a huge huge um just like source of pride for her to be able to continue and joy to be able to continue to come to that class on a weekly basis so that's really my goal is to try and influence and impact the dance community and the dance world in a positive way so that dance can be enjoyed by everybody but in a really healthy sustainable way so we can leave the dance world better than they found it so that's a little bit about my story and my journey, and I um, am more than happy to answer any questions that people have in regards to that. So if you have any um, questions about like more specifics in terms of my schooling or my pathway or anything like that, please reach out. You can find me at Dance Physio Erica on Instagram. Um, I love interacting with people, love creating this community of like-minded um, professionals, and yeah, would be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. If you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely appreciate it if you would leave a review, uh, subscribe to the podcast so you get notifications of when the next episodes come out. And also if you found this helpful or you have any dancers in your life who you think might be interested in a career in sort of dance physiotherapy or anything healthcare related and are interested in like what that journey looked like or what that process looked like, please feel free to share this podcast episode with them. Thank you so much for joining me and I will catch you next time. 